This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing. And as usual, I'm here with my co-host, the Whitney M. Young Jr., Professor of Marketing and Brand Identity Theorist, Americus Reed. I got to say, I love the way you say that. (laughs) Brand Identity Theorist. It sounds so regal when you say it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Such a great thing to be. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So, Marketing Matters airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And today is our very special Black Friday edition of the show. And we're going to be talking about what everybody seems to be talking about Mm -hmm. nowadays is the holiday shopping season. We have Steve Barr. He's the consumer markets leader at PwC, and they've been running a number of studies and surveys, figuring out what customers say they're going to do, whether they're going to shop online, offline, right. how much money they say they're going to spend. So mm-hmm. we'll see about that. So he's going to be here with the 2017 Holiday Outlook Report. So Steve Barr, hello. Hello. Thank you for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So before we talk about your study and, and your results and everything, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and why we should listen to you? <laughs> yeah. So she means that lovingly, <laughs> Steve. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> she, she says that to all our guests. So <laughs> The first guest, I always say, and I'm curious, yes. like, why are you here? Yes, no, yes, yes. I know you have a good right. background, so can you tell us a little bit about how, how you got to where you are? Great. Um, I'm very fortunate to lead our consumer markets practice at PwC. That includes the traditional retail and consumer marketplaces and also includes transportation and logistics and hospitality and leisure. Mm. And so do you look at them as silos or you look how they interact? Or? Mm. Well, it, it's, it's interesting. We made a shift in the last 12 months. Historically, we were organized simply into a retail and consumer marketplace, which we had always seen the synergies there. But as the consumer has evolved and we see the interconnectedness between hospitality and leisure and transportation and logistics, we've combined it all into one. So um, it's a little bit of both. Some days um, it's fully integrated and some days um, we are responding to uh, individual issues within the silo. But clearly, the direction that the consumer is going. In fact, it's a great way to launch into a discussion on on our report. Um, spending today is far more than just the physical store or even e-commerce. Consumers are making choices, and those choices are where they're going to spend their travel dollars, where they're going to send, spend their entertainment dollars. And, and I know you know well, but um, shipping and logistics are so important mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. – the success of retailers' relationships with the consumer and consumer expectations on their relationships with with retailers. Yes, yeah, so that's what I was thinking. That it's interesting that they're, you're in charge of all of them because they obviously all connect. You're also uh, on the board of National Retail Federation. NRF? Yeah, I'm I'm on the board of the National Retail Federation Foundation, which oh, is just one removed from um, the National Retail Federation. It's the charitable arm of the National Retail Federation focusing on 
careers in employment and retail and uh, a, a really wonderful organization. And I'm very grateful to be connected to the NRF and the NRF Foundation. Well, that's great. Okay, so you're good. you're here really to talk about our your holiday report. Can you tell us before you tell us the findings a little bit about, you know, how your sampling, how you do it, what mm-hmm. time frame it is, that kind yeah. of stuff. So we our our results are based on uh, multiple things. The first is we do a survey of approximately two thousand shoppers in late summer, the July August time frame. We supplement that with additional surveys that we do throughout the season, and then we're fortunate to bring the insights that we learn from our client service to um, bring those forward as as a part of our report. So it's really a, a combination of all of those things. And then continuously throughout the holiday season, we're doing our very best to stay connected to um, the data and analysis that's available to to not only PwC, but but to many of us. So I'm curious how modern survey research goes. Is it like on telephone, email? How, how do you get? Mm. How do you make sure you get people to answer and you get a representative yeah. sample? Yeah, we do a few things. Um, it's primarily email. We are fortunate at PwC to have an international survey unit that is embedded in the firm, and they help folks like me that don't have to be experts uh, day-to-day to make sure we're getting the proper coverage from a demographic standpoint. Mm-hmm. But then we have supplemented that over time with, uh, I'm probably using an old-school term, but effectively focus groups to get together oh. with folks and just talk about um, what what they're seeing and, and what they're doing. We've um, tried to do that especially with the Gen Z crowd uh, so that uh, we have it, it gives us a forum to have permission generally to talk with them because of the process of getting parental consent and other things. So oh, I see, yeah. it's, a combination, it's a combination of all of those things. But I'm sure, as we'll talk about in, in, in the coming dialogue, understanding uh, not only the millennial demographic but also the Gen Z demographic. I'd like is, to dive right in there if you don't mind. I mean, people are... <laughs> all right, here we go. Okay, yes, let's yes. start with Gen Z. This what do you know about Gen Z? millennial and Gen Z, yes. Yeah. What what was really great about the survey results this year is they um, told us that the Gen Z shopper is is definitely a demographic in and of itself and quite different from uh, the millennial shopper. Gen Zers told us they love to go to the store. Yay. Now we can have a long <laughs> debate about we can have a long debate about whether that's because you know they're primarily in their teen years and. And will that change as they become young adults? And there's certainly... Well, do you remember, um, did the millennials go to the stores in their teen years, or were they shopping online and playing video games? <laughs> yeah, we think, there's a, we think there's a real pivot here that the Gen Zers are telling us that they like the physical store more than the younger end of, of the millennial. So let me uh, let me ask you something on that. Um, sure. And I know this is speculation, so we're, we're caveated out it's speculation. Do you think it's because Gen Z are different types of people, or do you think maybe the stores have evolved mm. to offer a better experience, and when the millennials were looking at it, the stores had, were taken too much for granted, and online was new, and, you know, what do you think is causing this shift, yeah. if in fact it is? Well, well uh, I'll, I'll pick C, um, all of okay. the above, <laughs> and... And uh, but I think I, I think you're you're right on. And um, but I do th- I do think there's a shift. And we we talk about this quite quite often within PwC. 
And as as we all know, um, trends come and go through generations, and generations clearly um, need to have their own identity. And I think there's a real interest that the Gen Z crowd is a very social crowd. And um, so we've, we've seen a real uptick. At the same time, as you've noted, we're really seeing retailers finally begin to deliver on in-store experience and truly delivering on an omni-channel experience over over th- those those terms are a little little bit tired right but i think if if we're if i think if we're honest with ourselves retailers have not as a, as a large group we can find individual we can find individual retailers that have done that well mm-hmm. but by and large as a group it, it was it was far more talk than it was walk. Yeah, you know, and, I I want to just interrupt yeah. you on one second because I think sure. I really think what you just said is important. It was kind of along the lines of what I was saying, but you added something to it, which is if you look at the the digitally native Americus likes to talk about them because <laughs> yes. he's a visitor I to am. that, I an am. immigrant, yes. I guess. But the digitally native are used to ha- being online, so we, that's given. And historically, the the physical retail was completely separate. And even in for the millennials, if you look at the the digital native vertical brands like Bonobos and Warby, they didn't have physical stores when they first started. So it wasn't an integrated example experience. Now Walmart is very heavily integrating their online and physical store. And the digitally native vertical brands are opening physical stores now. So you are getting what you're you're saying, an omni-channel experience. uh, And that could explain some of the differences because they can still be digitally native, but now it's connected to the store. Mm. Yeah. Um, Jack Ma just said a few weeks ago, and I'm sure it's not the first time he said it, but I learned of it a few weeks ago. Um, he made a statement that said uh, the physical stores cannot exist without e-commerce, and e-commerce cannot exist without physical stores. And um, you mentioned Walmart, and we we all are are well aware what they have done with their acquisitions of Bonobos, Mod Cloth, and the like. Mm-hmm. But we also know that Amazon has validated the relevance of the store right, exactly. with with their opening of, of doors, but also of their recent acquisition of Whole Foods, which completely validates the theme then that Jack Ma um, shared of the importance of both. And as I, w- as I was saying earlier, retailers really just talked about it before. Yes. And there are there are lots of reasons why um, perhaps they weren't able to deliver on that. But we're seeing we've maybe gone from omnichannel 1.0 to omnichannel 2.0. I still believe that there's more to come and it can... Better integration? Is that what you're saying? Better. Yeah. Now say that again. Are you saying better integration? Better, Clearly better integration. But... Um, there's still going to be version 3.0 and 4.0 that comes as um, better systems and better data analysis and other tools come into place. The real estate, the landlords and the mall operators are beginning to invest in their properties to do to do things that um, make the experience richer. So we're getting better as, as an industry, uh, but there's clearly more to go. But I think that's why, you know, getting back to what we were – talking about the Gen Zers, that's why the Gen Zers are really beginning to embrace the physical store and the mall again, because those leading properties really are providing that extraordinary experience and And, have become a destination. And you're right. It's the leading. It's the A malls. It's the best malls. And some of the other malls that weren't delivering are closing down. And Mm -hmm. some of the retailers that weren't 
keeping up. They're just closing stores. Mm -hmm. So now we're having a better physical retail experience. But what are examples of these great retail experiences, though? What exactly are they doing in the in sort of the best practices of the of the of the stars that are really really hitting it out of the ballpark? Because you know it's hard. For, I'm I'm trying to wrap my brain around it in terms of trying to understand. You know what? What are they doing? It, the, it's the experience in the store, but it's being integrated. So it's hard to tease out. You know what's what's happening exactly in the store. So what are some examples there? And then what is exactly being integrated with what? Sort of in the in the digital space. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll use I'll, I'll perhaps cover one or two examples, and then if you want want more, we we certainly can go deeper. But let's. I think it's important to pause and recognize that um, experience can mean different things um, to different consumers. And one of, one of the experiences that consumers clearly articulate is value. And we know that there are retailers that are extraordinarily at, de- extraordinary at delivering purely on value. They, they don't need extra bells and whistles in the store, but they're delivering on value. Think of a TJX or That's many of the TJ Maxx, Burlington, Costco. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you... You, they know exactly who they are, mm-hmm. and they do it very well, and they're not trying to be something that they're not. But then when we move away from value, experience then can be, again, multiple things. I think of of experience around innovation of brands. And you, for me, I immediately think of a brand like Apple where they've – integrated their stores into town centers where they're encouraging participation. They're encouraging you you to hang out. They've created a culture Mm -hmm. and a vibe. And then you can shift gears into um, athletic and I was wondering where we're going to get to Nike. Yes, yes. I went to saw that. Have you seen the Nike store in Soho? You should go. Because you would love it. It's an awesome store. A kid in a candy store type of thing? Yeah, I mean, they have a basketball court. They've had that before. But now they also have like a treadmill and an elliptical. And then they have video in front of it. So while you're running in the shoes and doing all this, the top floor of the Soho store is Jordan. And the big, huge pictures of Jordan everywhere. Not a lot of merchandise. It's like curated stuff. Stuff and gotcha. beautiful store. Wow! And then Stimulus you know overload. you can you can then you can buy online if you want to buy one of ten thousand shoes. They got ten thousand shoes for you to choose from, uh-huh. just not in that store. Gotcha, you go gotcha, to the gotcha, online. Gotcha. This is, the idea is pull you in, give you an experience that really gets you revved up and excited and passionate and enthusiastic, and then you go offline and you yeah. Do other and they're stuff. trying. I don't know if this is yeah. a good idea or not, but they just got the NBA license, so they have these NBA jerseys, and oh. in those jerseys, they're embedding a chip. Oh, and so if you put your phone up with the app next to the chip on your shirt, uh, like so, if you got a Spurs jersey or something like that, then uh, when you do that, you're going to get all the Spurs information, uh, and then you're all connected. Oh, so wow. they're trying. I don't know if that's a good idea or not because I'm not sure how many people will like do that. Yes, but, but anyway, that I think you know. We're uh, let me just reintroduce you. We're talking to Steve Barr. He's the PwC Consumer Markets Leader, and they just published a new report, 2017 Holiday Outlook Report. We were talking about customer experience. We're talking about Gen Z. But one of the other questions a lot of people are asking is, are people going to spend money this holiday season? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Steve? And they are going to spend money this holiday season. What? One thing that's different about our holiday survey compared to others, including the National Retail Federation, is 
Um, some of them are limited purely to retail economic forecast. Most of those forecasts, in, including the National Retail Federation, have come out and said that they expect consumers to spend about 3.5%, maybe up to 4% this year. I actually saw an interesting report today from, from the Fung Retail Group that said they, they're, they're in about the same range, but they had a really very subtle, but it was very meaningful to me qualifier that said, but they think that there's upside. And the reason I took you there is our survey participants told us they plan to spend 6% more this holiday season. I saw that number. Now, That's a huge number. It's a huge number. It's huge. But, but the one thing that I would point out is we asked what they plan to spend on, on gifts, travel, and entertainment. And one of the things that makes ours stand out, it, it's specific to holidays, is that travel and entertainment component. We know millennials, for example, have told us that experience is very important. So their gift giving can often be a, a, a physical item of, of some sort, but it can also be a trip. dinner out with friends or a trip mm, and some right. other things. I have to so say, I give my millennial kids trips and, oh, and, and right? tickets they, and they things like that. They want experiences. They yeah. don't want stuff. Yeah. Mm. I'm spending yeah. holiday money, and it's big money. Actually, the pick, you know, the t- <laughs> ticket on those things are quite high. It's a lot more than, well, you know, bar soap or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting when you break that down, and if you take a peek at the PwC ho- holiday outlook, we actually found that those folks that uh, spend on travel spend substantially more overall. Some of that's intuitive to the fact that they might be higher wage earners and the like, but um, we do see that. What, what was interesting as we looked at the data, though, is the majority of the uplift in the spend this year is in households earning greater than $100,000. The folks that are um, in the households earning 50000 and less told us Basically, year over year, they're going to spend about the same. There was no meaningful difference in oh, that's their spend last year to this year. So the majority of that lift is at the, at the high end. Mm. And the, the question I'm, I'm getting quite a bit then is the, the why. And the why is clearly consumer sentiment is high. If we go to organizations like the conference board and others, it, it's clear that since the Great Recession, sentiment is is clearly clearly at an all-time high in that period. We've seen wage growth, and we know that when there's wage growth along with full or fuller employment, that the beneficiaries of that would be the higher-income folks. And the simple version of that, without getting into you know a deep economic discussion, is you know the households that are at the lower end, while while they certainly benefit from their wage increases, many of them are still struggling to 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 meet their needs day to day. So while they have a little bit more, they're they're still struggling. Whereas if if you're fortunate to be at a higher income level and you get a little bit more, that's probably a little bit more that can be discretionary. Right. And then mm-hmm. finally, we know that. We've seen the equity markets perform extraordinarily well, and and certainly the folks that would be the primary beneficiary of the movement in the in the equity markets would be those um, higher earners. So when you combine consumer sentiment, fuller employment, some Stock modest market. wage growth, 
equity market appreciation. It's really a great time. And that's why the majority of the retailers are extremely upbeat about the upcoming holiday season. Okay, so another question that people are asking, um, I don't think this is as interesting as they think it is, but <laughs> anyway, is is it Black Friday? Is it Cyber Monday? Is it the entire month? Uh, what do you think about Do you have results on that or any yeah. opinion on that? Yeah, let's start with, let's start with Black Friday. Uh, Black Friday is not dead, but it's less relevant than it used to be. Why is that? We know that shoppers today be, begin shopping much earlier than they have historically. I often say that November 1 is really the kickoff of Black November versus Black Friday. There, we, we could have an interesting discussion about, about what's driving that. I actually think that the retailers in, in their quest to grab their share of the wallet have, have become highly promotional earlier than they have compared to um, prior years, and therefore they've conditioned the consumer to start earlier. But what's also interesting about the data that we saw is some shoppers are shopping later in the season, and I think it's equal to the promotional environment because Black Friday used to define a period when you would re- might be able to receive extraordinary deals that you didn't get the rest of the holiday the reality in today's competitive retail environment and with the explosive growth of online, uh, the the entire season is promotional and consumers have learned they can be patient and wait. Mm. Yeah, they might they might miss out on a on a doorbuster that occurs on say you know, Black Friday morning, but the reality is if there's a black or a flat screen T V on sale pre Black Friday, it's gonna be on sale Black Friday and it's gonna be on sale sometime in December or Super Saturday or whatever it may be. And then the last piece of that is this is a, this is a modest impact, but I, but I do think uh, events like Amazon Prime Day that even go back uh, as early as July, we, we don't think there's a massive shift of holiday shopping to, to July, but there is some. And so that promotional landscape has just stretched out and, and taken away some of the relevancy of Black Friday through the through the entire Thanksgiving weekend to the consumer. You know, but that that being said, and I completely agree with what you're saying, there is also just natural human behavior now. So like on Friday, you just ate a whole bunch of turkey the day before, you know, and you kind of <laughs> want to walk it off and go to the mall. So you still have a little bit of that. Wow. And then the last, you know, yeah. what you're saying is what I saw at the few years that I've been following this is people procrastinate, yeah. whether it's to get the value or whether it's because they just can't get around to holiday shopping. But those days right before Christmas, there's a lot of shopping being done then. Is that what your studies have shown? There, there is a lot of shopping being done. And, and what we've seen is it, it can even be both in-store and online because many of the retailers we've seen over the last few years, we, we, one of the things we do, I was mentioning at, you know, at the launch of our discussion, some of the tracking we do throughout the year. And each week we track all the promotional activity, free shipping, discounts, and other things. And what we've seen the last few holidays, and we fully expected this holiday, even with one and two days to go, three days to go, before, before the holiday, retailers are telling consumers, don't worry, come online, you can buy it, and we'll still get it to you on time. Uh-huh. And that's where I, it's, it's a great way of 
one of the reasons why we've integrated transportation and logistics into the practice I'm a part of is because that's so important part of the consumer equation today. And and retailers are saying, you know, we'll we'll either get it to you or we'll get it to the store and you can, you know, buy online, pick up in store. So what's your position on drones? Yeah, it it it's early. Um I'm I'm going to put a shameless plug in but I but I um recently is, uh released uh, I, uh, a blog on on drones and I introduced uh, I had a conversation with one of our experts within the firm. It's it's very early days. We I don't think we're going to see any meaningful impact of drones and there's a long way to go to not only get through all of the regulatory requirements but to build trust with the consumer. Mm. So now it makes for interesting dialogue, and hmm. but it's not going to move the needle in any way for for the near term, at, at least from my perspective. One of the other things, and we only have a few minutes left, but one of the other things in the report was the difference in advertising versus influencers, and who's who's calling the shots in this in this season. Yeah, what we saw the Gen Z crowd is much more visual. So think of platforms like Instagram and YouTube really having a meaningful impact on the Gen Z crowd. But as we move up into the millennials and um, the the Gen Xers, they're more linked to social media, Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and the like. So um, influencers are, are having an impact across the board. It just varies based on on generational preferences, but uh, no, no question. Social media today uh, moves moves the dial very significantly mm-hmm. from a, a retailer perspective. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Steve: uh, Was there anything in the re- in the report in the analysis that you and your colleagues at PwC did that surprised you, or that yeah. was something that you just absolutely just did not expect? Um, thanks for the setup. It's it's a it's a great question in our report. One of the things we talked about were millennial dads, and as as we were combing the data, trying to come up with something that stood out from the data, we saw that millennial dads are really leading the way in spending this year. Wow, that and is the, shocking! Yeah, it, it, it was, we're not it was we're not on the couch well. watching football. We're actually out there doing things for our now families. Now he might be on the couch. Oh he might be online. Where are they devices. shopping? Online yeah, right? or uh, in the store? So take a peek at our holiday report and see the the commentary on millennial dads, and it will tell you that they have some really unique attributes, and we expect them to show up in a meaningful way. Hmm. Mm. Very interesting. It's a shameless plug for the report, but <laughs> <laughs> but we'll do it. It yeah, sounds we will great. check it out. Steve Barr, thank you so much for coming on our show tonight. It was a pleasure to have you. And my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And if you want to learn more about Steve and about Millennial Dads and about their report, go to PwC. You can go to PwC.com or you can follow Steve on Twitter at Stephen Stephen J. Barr. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.